There's a picture I want you to get in your mind this morning. It's a picture of a man who is aging, a man who ought to be enjoying the benefits of a life well spent, and yet it is the man we find sitting in prison. Time and time again, he's been there. Time and time again, he has found himself in a prison cell. Not for doing wrong, but for being obedient to Jesus Christ. His name is the Apostle Paul. I can imagine as the Apostle Paul was writing the book of Galatians, that he was going back in his mind as he approached what we have set aside to be the sixth chapter. That he went back in his mind to the many days he spent in prison. And I believe that he began to look at the different sights that he saw through his mind's eye. And he began to realize that everything in the prison cells were marked. They were marked with the sign of Caesar. The clothes that he had on bore Caesar's signature. The shackles on his feet were no doubt stamped with the symbol of Caesar. The prison guards were dressed to code as Caesar would declare. Probably an emblem of Caesar was on the wall. And as he looked around and noticed through his mind's eye all of the different markings on the prison walls, Paul began to realize, I too am marked. But Paul was not marked by Caesar because it was not Caesar that controlled him. But Paul said in Galatians 6.17, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul could simply take off his shirt. And he could show you the scars across his back where the whip had dug in time and time again. And he could say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He could show his arms and his shoulders where the stones had crushed him as he was being stoned. And he could say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He could take you to place after place after place on his body and say, These are the marks that I bear because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Paul was certainly a man who had been marked for Christ. Now certainly we are talking about physical markings, but I believe just as visible, although not with physical qualities, but just as visible were the markings of his spiritual aspects. The markings that were physical were seen through human eyes on human flesh, but the markings that were spiritual were discerned through a difference in his life. While we may never bear marks of persecution for our faith in Christ, now, let me just add a little parenthesis here. I believe that we will. I believe persecution is coming to America, and I believe it will come in the very near future. I believe we're going to suffer if we take a stand for Jesus Christ. But that's just my opinion. It may never come. And it may be that we never bear those physical marks, but please understand, we should always bear the spiritual markings for our faith in Jesus Christ. They should always be evident. You say, well, what are these marks that you're talking about? And beginning today and over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at a series entitled Marked, Undeniable Markings. And we're going to be dealing with exactly what we've just thought about. What are these marks that reveal to people that we are children of God? What are these marks that reveal to people that there is a difference in us? and what they see in other people. 
These are undeniable markings. For the family watching a family member that has suddenly changed, everything has, has become different in their lives, and they're watching to see what it is. While they may not see physical markings in their body, they should in fact see the spiritual markings, the markings that indicate there is a relationship with Christ. To the person who says he is a child of God, while there is no proof through physical markings in our, in our existence, in our lives, there should be the proof through the spiritual markings, the undeniable markings that point to the fact that we are indeed children of God. Today I want to begin by drawing our attention to one of the markings that may throw you off for a minute. You may say, well now that's not really spiritual in nature, and yet I want to show you how vital it is, how important it is that we bear the mark of loyalty. Now I would begin with this question. Would you consider yourself to be a loyal person? Now I'm not talking about loyal to just anyone, but would you consider yourself to be a loyal person to God? You say, well, maybe. I mean, exactly what does that look like? I mean, what does it look like to be a person that is loyal to God? Well, let me begin by giving us a couple of examples. I believe if we look at these examples of loyalty, it will become very clear to us exactly what we're talking about. And I think if we see these examples and we compare our lives to these examples and how we'd stack up in the area of loyalty, we will fast determine whether or not we would consider ourselves to be loyal individuals to God. So let's begin. Now, to begin with, the first example I want to give you, we just really could not carry out this section if we didn't go back to the person we just talked about and that is the Apostle Paul. From the very moment the Apostle Paul met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus until the day that his head was taken from his body, the Apostle Paul was a man who was loyal to his Savior. I mean, you notice what we talked about just a moment ago, the marks that he bore in his body. And you think about the fact that he could have avoided all of that. He could have simply said, you know what, <laughs> this person, Jesus Christ, that I was following, I'm, I'm not following anymore. And, and as a result, there's no need for you to stone me. This person, Jesus Christ, that I was preaching and talking about so boldly before, well, you know what, really, I no longer believe in him. I'm back to the old traditional ways that, that we've held to so long. So there's really no need for you to beat me. You can just put that whip away. And as he laid his head on the chopping block, I believe that it would have even been possible at that point for Paul to say, wait a minute, okay, I denounced Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know why I've followed him all these years. I don't know why I've taken the abuse that I have for the cause of Christ. I denounce him. I'm putting that all aside. I want you to know that I'm no longer a follower. And I believe in that moment that it might have spared his life. And yet the Apostle Paul proved time and time again that his relationship with Jesus Christ was more important than his physical well-being. You talk about an example of loyalty, here he is, the Apostle Paul. But there's a second that I believe is even greater than the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul holds probably second place, in my opinion, as far as loyalty to the cross. But this one exceeds him. It is the person of Jesus Christ. 
You remember that Jesus Christ was fully God and yet fully man. God left heaven's throne to come to this earth to take on humanity so that he could in turn die for mankind's sinfulness. It's an amazing story. When Jesus came, he said, I've not come to do my own will, but I've come to do the will of the one who sent me. I've come to do the will of you, O God. I've come to do your bidding for my life. As Jesus Christ stood in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out to God, the Bible says that his soul was tormented, that he was sweating great drops of blood. And at that moment, he cried out and he said, God, if it be your will, let the torment that lies before me pass by. In other words, God, I'm seeing through human eyes the cross. I'm seeing the pain and the suffering and the shame and the embarrassment. And I'm seeing the death that awaits me. God, if it can be your will, let this pass away from me. But you recall, he then said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was God. He didn't have to go to the cross. He was God. No one could have forced him to do anything he didn't want to do. And yet he remained loyal to the one who sent him. What a mark of loyalty. That was an undeniable mark. No one could look at Jesus Christ and deny that he was loyal and faithful to the Father. I ask you again. Comparing yourself to the examples we've just given and the elements of their lives that you know about. Would you consider yourself to be a loyal individual? You say, well, okay, there are some examples of loyalty, but is it really that important? Let me simplify this just as much as I possibly can, because I believe it is that important. I believe it is vital for us to be loyal to the cause of Christ. It's vital for us to be loyal in our relationship with God, our walk with Christ. I believe it's vital. You say, well, why? Why? Again, let me just simplify it as much as I possibly can and say I believe that it's necessary, it's vital because loyalty is needed today. Loyalty is really needed in our day and time. And you think about how it works now. If you've worked for a company for many years and you've been faithful and you've been loyal and you've executed your job in a very diligent way, if the company somehow finds a way to save money by cutting your job, loyalty to you means absolutely nothing to them. We don't find it that much anymore in our society. The almighty dollar has taken the place of loyalty for the most part. We live in a society where loyalty is desperately needed. Now, I want to just throw out for our consideration three areas that loyalty is needed. And you may look at these areas and you say, well, no, those aren't spiritual areas at all. Why are you saying we need to be loyal in this place when we're, we're here to learn about God? And yet I would tell you that if we're loyal to God in these three areas, if we're loyal to these places, we're also loyal to God. Because God has instructed us in different ways and different forms throughout the passages of Scripture that we are to be loyal to these particular places things that I'm going to mention to you. And what are they? Well, first of all is loyalty is needed to our country. Loyalty is needed to our country. You may not agree with the direction our country is going. 
You may not like the fact that our taxes are being raised, that our government is wastefully spending our hard-earned tax money. You may not agree with, with the way the different laws and bills are being passed and with the different things that are taking place in our government. And yet I tell you that it's still our country. Still our country. I've been to countries all around the world. And without exception, I've not found one that I would rather live in. This is our country. God calls us to be loyal to our country. You say, no, wait a minute. You mean that we're supposed to go fight? I believe God calls individuals to go fight and protect our country, and I'm very thankful for those who do. We're represented here by some this morning. I'm very grateful for those who have been willing to do that. But what I'm talking about for us in general is that God calls us to be loyal to our country in praying for our leaders. You say, well, I don't agree with our leaders. I'm not going to pray for them. Then you're being disobedient to God because God calls on us to pray for those who are in leadership over us. God calls for it. He commands us to do so. And our area of loyalty to our country is that we speak up in prayer to God and we hold up our leaders before God. And we say, God, use them for your honor and for your glory. God, take them and use them to accomplish your will in our country. God, make them strong for you. We are responsible to God to be loyal to our country. But I want to show you a second place. We're, we also need loyalty today in our homes. I probably don't even need to go into this with you. If you trace back the breakdown of society, you can take it all the way back to the breakdown of the family. When you find the family beginning to break down, you find that people no, long, no longer are learning to function in the world. They're not learning the discipline. They're not learning responsibility as they should. All of this goes back to the breakdown of the family. We need people today who are loyal to their homes. We need husbands who are loyal to their wives, who love them and take care of them. We need wives that are loyal to their husbands, who submit to them and love them. We need parents who are loyal to their children and teach them and train them and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, who keep them in a place to where they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need children who are loyal to their parents, who are going to be obedient and follow the direction and commandment of God for their lives in a matter of being obedient to their parents. We need people who are loyal to their homes. We also need people, and this one may throw you, we need people who are loyal to the local church. You say, well, I don't really understand that one. Did you know that Christ thought so much of the local church that he was willing to do something that very few have been willing to do? Paul talks about it. In fact, he says... In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 25, he said, Christ also loved the church and gave his life for it. Jesus Christ thought so much of the local church that he was willing to die for it. He was willing to die for us. Another place in Scripture we find the Apostle Paul saying that we are not to forsake assembling ourselves together. We are not to forsake coming together as a corporate group of believers for the purpose of learning about God and worshiping Him. It's so important. You say, well, I can do all that at home. I mean, I can listen to the radio or I can watch TV and I can learn everything I need to know. There's no need for me to come to church. I've heard that argument time and time again, and yet it does not flow with Scripture. Scripture commands us to come together for the purpose of worshiping and learning about God. 
It's important. You see, right now in our community, there are a lot of what we would term politely used to be's. People who used to be part of the church. People who used to be faithful to the services. People who used to be active in serving God in different ministries. People who used to support the ministry both here and around the world. These are people who used to be. Yep, millions of Americans have their name on a church row. And if you ask them, they'll tell you their church home is so-and-so. And yet, they've not allowed the church to be involved in their lives. Not allowed God to use this organism of the church to, to, to meet needs and to bring encouragement and satisfaction and direction for their lives. If ever there was a time in our society that loyalty is needed, that time is now. And we need loyal people, people who will be loyal to your country, to your, to your homes, and to your church. You say, okay, well, maybe I can see that. But, uh, and I, I really don't believe that any right-thinking Christian would verbalize this in this way, but we may all think about it. What is in store for me if I'm loyal to God? I mean, what is it that, that I get out of this situation? When I, it would be enough if we simply said loyalty to God is obedience to God, that would be enough. Because we know that when we're obedient to God, we're following the path of righteousness, it is in that obedience to God that we find joy, peace, happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment. Things that we've looked for for years in other areas, things that we've searched for and we've tried to find in, in places that do not provide it, we find when we're obedient to the cause of Jesus Christ. And so, if it were nothing else, that would be be enough. But let me just stray into some other areas. In fact, I want to give you two areas because I believe very clearly that loyalty is rewarded. Loyalty is rewarded. You say, well, how? Let me just throw out two areas for your consideration because I can picture in my mind right now somebody thinking, oh, loyalty is rewarded. That means a big bag of money is going to fall from heaven and land in my lap. Yeah, that could happen. I doubt it will, but it, it could happen. Let me give you a couple of thoughts where I believe loyalty is rewarded. First of all, I believe we find in Scripture that loyalty is rewarded through greater usefulness. Greater usefulness. Did you know that there are a lot of people who they want to be up front. They want to be in the limelight. They want to be leading. And they want to be seen as a leader. They want to be complimented. They want to hear people singing their praises and talking about them all the time. And yet they're not willing to do what it takes to work their way up through the ranks to get to a position where some of that takes place. Jesus was talking about something similar. In fact, he was speaking in a parable to a group of people. And he was talking about three men Three men that uh, their master had given them responsibilities. And he said, now I'm going to go away. I want you to take care of these responsibilities that I've given you. And when I come back, I'm going to check up on you. Well, he went away for an extended period of time and finally came back to bring the men into accountability. And he began to ask them, okay, what have you done with the responsibilities that I've given you? How loyal have you been to me through the responsibilities that I've given to you? It was interesting to find that two of the men had been very loyal. They had been very faithful. They had used the responsibilities wisely, and they had turned a profit for their master. Do you remember what Jesus said the master said to those men? 
Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, You have been faithful over little things. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. They had been promoted to a place of greater usefulness. They had worked their way through the ranks. They had proven their loyalty to God, to their master. They had worked in the little things, doing the things that were behind the scene, out of the limelight. And God now was moving them up to a position to where they would be used in greater ways. I believe that this was something like what the Apostle Paul was enduring and enjoying. The Apostle Paul had started out as a nobody, one who was persecuting believers. God said on the road to Damascus, as Jesus Christ met him, he said, he said, I want you to be mine. Why are you kicking against the pricks? Why are you fighting against me? Why are you persecuting believers? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord brought about a transformation in his life and he was blinded he went to a city where he stayed for a period of time and Barnabas came to lay hands on him God told Barnabas he said I want you to go now to the Apostle Paul I want you to go to Paul and I want you to lay your hands on him that he may receive his sight and Barnabas said wait a minute God I've heard about this guy he's persecuted believers he's put them to death he's thrown them in prison he's come here to take more back to throw into prison and then God told Barnabas he said I want you to know he's a changed man because I'm gonna show him how much he's got to suffer for my name's sake. I want you to know that I'm going to put him through so much. He's going to go through so much suffering and so much pain for taking a stand for Jesus Christ. But in the end, when he's finished his fight, when he's run his race, I'm going to take this man that has been loyal in these little things I'm going to take this man that has been loyal to stand regardless of what it cost him and I'm going to make him ruler over so much more than he could ever imagine. Apostle Paul was certainly one who understood. Not only was there the reward of greater usefulness, but I believe the second thing we find is that there's the reward of the master's approval. The reward of the master's approval. For me, this is very important. It's very important for me to be pleasing to my Lord and Savior. You know, actually I'm pretty much ashamed of the way I've accomplished that. I can't imagine that when I stand before Jesus Christ, He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I can't imagine Him saying that. You say, well, we see you in one way, but I really see me for what I am. I, I know the way I am when you're not around. And I can't imagine hearing that. And it's pretty shameful to think about that Jesus would be willing to come to this earth and be willing to die in my place, would be willing to suffer the abuse and the shame that he suffered, and yet me not even suffering persecution, I can't even live a life that would be continually pleasing to my Savior. It's shameful. And yet it is a goal of mine. It is a goal that I strive for to be pleasing to my Savior, to meet the approval of my Savior. I believe it's what Paul was striving for. I believe it's what he was talking about. I believe he was making a case for it. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he's getting ready to die for the cause of Christ. He's getting ready. I mean, he's right at the point of having his head cut off. He's getting ready to die, and this is what he said. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. 
The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, God, I'm getting ready to come and see you. I've done all of this. I've been loyal to you. I'm anxious to step from this life into the next and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, why should that be so important to us? I, I think for a lot of reasons. Number one, if we wanted to go to the most basic of reasons, I believe that we would have to say, because he's the one who holds our next breath in his hands. He's the one who says if we live or die today or if we wait a few years. Very basically, we could say because he holds life in his hands and at any moment, that life can be snuffed out. I believe we could carry that a little further and say, because our Savior died for us. You know, wouldn't it stand to reason if someone was willing to give their life for us that, that we would want in turn to live our lives for Him? It's wonderful to receive rewards and recognition here on earth. But I can't imagine for a second that it could possibly compare to standing before our Savior and hearing Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Yeah, I'm pleased with the way you handled my responsibilities that I've given to you. I'm pleased with the loyalty that you've shown to me. Is it important? Yes, it is. Loyalty is needed. And as a result of us being loyal, loyalty is rewarded. So let me go back to the question that started all of this. How would you say your life stands up to the loyalty test? Have you been loyal to God? Or would you be a person who would have to say, No, Tom, you know, I've kind of strayed away. I, I'm kind of way away from where I need to be in that area of my life. Well, this morning is the time to change that.